You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Talk of Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 176 of the Century and his favorite podcast. I'm Jeremiah Morrill. Today on my left, I'm joined by, we'll call him a co-host, Zach Burcham. On my right, super guest, Rob Kendall, wearing a very sexy red for Rob shirt that we all remember what happened. And my forever co-host, <laughs> Dakota Davis. Today's episode features the very special guest, uh, Rob Kendall from... Uh, 93.1 WIBC. You are the host of the Rob Kendall show. Award winning. The award winning <laughs> Rob Kendall show. The, uh, the, the weekend sp- dominant, by the way. I, you get the biggest ratings of anybody in your time slot on the weekend. The, you're the <laughs> Sundays one to three have never been bigger. <laughs> Unless there's a Colts game and then, they, and then they bump Rob. Yeah. Every Colts game, whenever there's a Colts game, the show is, is taped in advance. <laughs> We are going to be talking to Rob about all kinds of things happening in Indiana right now. We're first going to talk about the coronavirus update, COVID-19. Eric Holcomb has uh, made another announcement about the state. Lame duck We're going Holcomb. to talk about uh, things opening up, what the state's starting to look like, and whether or not his two opponents uh, like his decisions, and whether or not it might just be too late for Holcomb. Because uh, people are angry on him from the left, people are angry at him from the right, so he's... He, He's just in a tough spot. He's between a rock and a hard place right now. We're going to give our projections on that. Then we're going to be talking about uh, the notorious RGB. And uh, she passed away September 18th. And give you a little bit of history on her. And then also what we can expect in the future. going to be an exciting night. Oh, we got to do some thank yous. Uh, we just did a cool 20 minutes, uh, with, uh, with Rob and Zach and Dakota and myself and producer Chris over there, by the way. If, uh, if anything's off slightly, he will send him a DM and he'll take care of it right away. I sure will. Um, <laughs> I love how he, he leaned right into the wind screen on the mic. To, <laughs> you I have to <laughs> listen. He's the I creepiest, the creepiest producer. He's got a, he's got a, what do they call these things over the microphone? I have a wind. It's a pop wind screen. Shield. It's a pop, pop screen. <laughs> I think he's a little triggered. Because he thinks he's an audio star over there. <laughs> like he's got great. Britney Spears. Listen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see see how he leans into the into the, the pop screen like that? Yeah. Before he would lean into the mic like that. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so like you that. have to put that there to oh, keep yeah. his mouth off of the microphone. Listen, I just like to do this, okay? It's very good. Don't blame me. Some of his best work. Uh, All right, so we got to say some thank you. If, if you join the Patreon, any level, let's name your own price, like Priceline used to be with uh, with that guy from the nerdy thing. Uh, <laughs> we do Bill, have Bill Shatner said we do have tiers, and they're they're like five. If you're at the five dollar tier, if you if here's the secret, if you donate like anything less than five dollars, you'll get everything in the five dollar tier still. You're giving <laughs> it away, bro. His Mason's That's still it. in at like a dollar thirty four. We have a couple of those people. 
But that's the student plan. Is what that is. That's for Stone and Mason. The student plan. You have group. to have a .dot edu email address. You, you guys are like a real life fan dueler. If you just wait long enough, you'll get the promotion for yeah, free. But yeah. but here's the and other if you catch. send your link code, here's the other catch. If you donate nine dollars or more a month and you're expecting the ten dollar tier, you ain't getting that. It's not gonna Nothing. happen. Holding out. Yeah. yeah. Holding out. But I want to say that if you join at a certain <laughs> level, you might get something as exciting as. As producer Chris printed on what I assume is some sort of an exfoliating pad as a sticker. Uh, I mean, these are these are impressive. Every one of the the hosts that shows up from time to time uh, are are here, and these are these are going out well, to somebody. Whenever I had this idea, Chase was on like every other week, <laughs> so I made the one of Chase. If I had to redo it now, it would be Zach. But it takes a long time to turn a picture into a cartoon, like like an hour. It doesn't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> they look like pogs. Remember pogs? Yeah, absolutely. They do look like pogs. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, they're so well done. Custom Boss Hog Liberty pogs made by my wife. <laughs> made by and I Daisy love, Daisy. I love that the Jeremiah Morrill photo is the photo we took together. Yeah, that's last a, time I was here. I, I had no idea where that came from until just now when I started this. He said they came to their profile the picture and I rolled through and oh my God, <laughs> it's Rob. It was me and Rob. You're the only one that brings that much joy to my face. In well, that, this it's building. understandable. If you join at the tier where it starts asking you for your physical address, then you will get those. Or you can just come by the studio the next time we have an open studio and pick one up. All right. So but then if you're at $50 a month, if you're a or more. incredible member, 50 or more, you get a shout out in every episode. That's right. Those folks are Chris Lamb. Uh, he has the Green Fiddler Cigar Company that's uh, coming, coming soon to Newcastle. Oh. Yeah. So be looking forward to that. Um, Chris you know. is also going to be on your ballots this fall. That's right. He's running what's, for school board. Oh, here in uh, Henry Newcastle School. Oh, cool. yeah. yes. And we also have to thank the incredibly generous Christy Avery, who's like our longest running $50 a month yes. subscriber. Absolutely. Jonathan Phillips, our favorite uh, car dealer manager. He's so much more than that to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Andy Moore, Buick and GMC, make sure you go visit Jonathan up there. <laughs> Tell him that the Boss Hog and Liberty is singing it. And then, of course, our good friend, Anthony Meyer. I don't know what Anthony does for a living. Anthony is a, a good truck guy. driver, and he posted on Facebook <laughs> yesterday he's made it to 49 of the 50 states with his truck, but that 50th one is going to be a bitch. Yeah. So he's, he's going to have to take a ferry. Yeah, he's going to need some. He's going <laughs> to need a long help. distance ferry. Wow, I'm impressed that he may, went to Alaska. Alaska. And we do have a special guest watching right now. It appears that Donald Rainwater is watching. Oh, hello. And he says, special shout out to my ambassador of Quan. <laughs> <laughs> Our next governor tuning in. I feel so That's, much pressure. This is this is best behavior, Rob. It's, oh, it's, whoa, whoa. Before we get to that, we have more stuff to plug, Rob. Oh, I'm sorry. Not done selling. Tchip.com slash boss hog. Or no, sorry. That was wrong. Tchip.com slash BHOO one, two, three, or four, or slash BHOO mug. That is where you can get all of your uh, boss hog liberty merchandise. Uh, BHOO four. That is where you can get your masks or bandoliers. Uh, but you can't you can't wear the bandoliers on on airplanes. They won't let you. I did see that. You're yep. calling it a bandolier, not a gator. And, I mean, it's either or. I think it's the same thing. The terminology just it, it, mask world. I, I I hope someday somehow maybe I, whatever I, we can get past this. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the day when I'm like cleaning out like a tote upstairs. I'm like, <laughs> oh, here are my masks. <laughs> Remember this. You have to scroll up to find the links because evidently Guffy was triggered because I beat him last week. So he posted about sure five did. minutes ago. I was like, I was like, not today, Zach, not today. Listen, I don't know if it's ever going to go back to to that. I don't know if it will either at this point. 
Eric Holcomb announced that everything's back to normal. The state's we completely open. We are back at up. stage five. I've reviewed the plan. This is as good as it gets. Restaurants are fully open. Yep. Bars, clubs, night uh, nightclubs, fully open. Uh, this is it. This is, this is we have venues. we have reached peak plan. This enjoy your new life. We can have concerts, <laughs> comedy shows here, all of it. It's all set. But you have to wear a mask. But you have a new appendage. Yep. And it's hot. You can't breathe that good. <laughs> <laughs> Just a way of life. That's what he said. So this, we were supposed to be here July 4th, and uh, the, the science and data, Rob, yes. uh, they, they said that uh, after polling shows that it's time, <laughs> we're, now, now is the time, September 20-somethingth, uh, we, can, we can go ahead and move to stage five. And listen, whenever we talked about this before, Eric Holcomb came out and he said, we have these five stages. Yes. And he said, we're going to be a completely data driven in how we approach this. And that is how we are going to determine each of the stages. And I thought, this is the way that you should do it. If, if you gotta, if nothing, you have to do nothing it, will be arbitrary. <laughs> right. I'm like, if you have to do it, set dates, make it, make the date something that your constituency, the Hoosiers can rally behind. Say, we're going to, we're going to all work together. And make things better so that we can open up at this date. And then things got a little weird because yeah. he said, there's a new stage. We're going to call it 4.5. <laughs> and I was like, we've introduced decimals. This is advanced math. So that's a little weird. 4.5. Now you, you've kind of pulled the, pulled the blinds over our eyes on this one. I find it interesting. You are so trusting of government. Like this whole Listen, podcast is about how much government sucks. It wasn't that I was. We have different trusting. views. <laughs> it wasn't that I was so trusting of government. It was more that I was very disappointed with the way that it was handled um, at first and everywhere else. And I thought having setting the dates, setting the goals, the five stage plan, I thought that was the most reasonable course of action that he could take in like a bipartisan position. So I thought it was appropriate. That was, that was in June. And the uh, the stage five, we were supposed to be there July 4th. Yes. The science said the same day as the race, yes. which was amazing luck for us. Is yeah. work it was out. amazing luck that the science worked out that way. And then that got that dream got shattered. And then the Indy 500 dream got shattered. Uh, finally, seven days from right now, we are supposed to be allowed back inside as normal people. The uh-huh. folks that have to buy tickets uh-huh. to stuff, we're allowed to go back inside of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Now that we're at stage five, the Harvest GP is coming, and they've said 10,000 people, two 5,000-seat venues are safe enough for you to go sit on oh. the grandstands. How, as how, long as you wear your mask the entire how time. How nice of them. So you have to wear the mask. You have to wear your mask the entire time. No, no word on whether or not you'd be allowed in and out, but uh, 10,000 love- lucky souls are going to be allowed in inside of the uh, world's largest stadium. So, like, we, we did the math for the first Colts game, and it's a se- roughly 70,000-person stadium. Sure. At 2,500, it came to one person every 28 seats. <laughs> that, you could do the social distancing that they had suggested with basically one person every three seats. Sure. But let's just say you you cut it in half and said one person every 14 seats. 
It's all ridiculous. It's wholly I'd ridiculous. Every more, bit of it's been arbitrary. I'd probably go to more football games if they just kept that. <laughs> the worst part about sitting in the stands is the neck, the mouth breathers breathing down your shirt. And, and then the weird thing was before they even had that game, they said, "Hey, for the next one after that, yeah, seventy five hundred, seventy five hundred. Well, like, but they <laughs> have the same building, and they have two different teams that play there. The Colts play there, <laughs> and the, and the minor league soccer team plays there. And nobody had said, "Hey, we have rules. We don't have rules for the damn building. Each league and team are making their own rules, or the Mar- maybe they had two different arbitrators inside of the Marion County Health Department making up the rules, and they didn't talk around the water cooler." Because they're not allowed to be in the building. We, so we, they had two different numbers for the same building. We used to say this all the time about it's rare in the 80s and 90s. The Cubs would make the playoffs. The Chicago Cubs baseball team. And one of the sad things about the Cubs in the playoffs was the audience you would see in the playoffs did not reflect the audience that you would see Monday through Friday at Wrigley Field. The regular fans. The, the bleacher bum people were not who were the actual Cubs fans. Couldn't afford the tickets. Couldn't get in to see the team. So at the playoffs, it was guys in suits and ties. I was like, that's not really field. And I was seeing a lot of the people that got into the Colts games, the Colts game last Sunday. And I thought it kind of hurts my heart because the hardcore Colts fan probably wasn't connected enough to finagle one of the 2,500 people. Absolutely. And you would think if you're going to have some horrific number of fans, you'd want it to be the 2,500 most ardent hardcore. We've been here since the Mayflower showed up. Fans, yep. the the seventy year old at risk people that have been there since nineteen eighty four, absolutely. So uh, apparently we're we're so much better now, and seventy five hundred is the magic number. Yes, seventy six hundred, everybody dies. every ten seats now. Yes, so seventy five hundred yeah, people. That's a, I like that one. <laughs> ten seats, twenty eight seats is too much. You seem like the sort of guy who would buy two tickets around him when he goes to a movie theater, so that he's you don't very have to wealthy. Sit next to anyone, <laughs> he's very wealthy. <laughs> It's crossed my mind. Like, hey, concert <laughs> tickets, not movie theaters, but concerts. I'm like, you know who does that for real and brags about it is Abdul. Oh, sure. I could see that. Yeah. He buys the seats around Abdul him. Abdul and I have a lot of things in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He will buy both seats around him when he goes to a movie. So he doesn't have to sit next to anyone. I like that. So yeah, the NFL has been, we don't have assigned seats at movie theaters in these parts. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I, I did it honest, like last year I was going out of town I was like what is this stuff I have to, like pick your seats I'm like pick my seat I thought you just went in there and found the <laughs> <Yeah. a> seat <laughs> they don't fold down yeah <laughs> yeah you know, now you go to the movie theater Zach and it's I mean it, it's a recliner it's a whole oh, thing. I know it's nicer seats than I have in my house you yeah. sure drink beers do your kids have to bring their own stuff to throw at the screen to break the projector oh man no we sit in the back <laughs> we can't throw that far <laughs> You just hit the people with the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> That's their problem. Risk. That's risk risk of at. looking at it and watching a kid's movie, right? So yeah. so this uh, this executive order that came out today from uh, from Emperor Holcomb says 100% capacity, but then local governments can do whatever the heck they want. Well, there's a so, huge caveat to it, which is he insists on social distancing. So if you're a bar or restaurant owner, it's not close to 100% because you can't function at a bar with six feet of social distancing. So it's yeah. not. It's highly disingenuous. He's a pathological but in liar. The, in the executive order, he encouraged social distancing. Well, but but, but I think that's like, still part of the that's part of the opening up. Is that the, I mean, he literally said it yesterday. So it's not. I mean, if you go to Kilroy's in downtown Indianapolis, part of the fun of the the attraction of Kilroy's is, is, is being up on each other. Yeah, you meet Rob Kendall and you meet many other people. That's right. on a Friday night. You're not doing that under that order, and that's a huge part of their business. You're not helping them by saying, well, you can be open full capacity. 
when yeah. you still have these restrictions, which limit how they make their money. And you guys know this tabletops and space is the most important thing in a bar or restaurant. So he's highly disingenuous when he's trying to say, well, we're fully open, but uh, here's these little caveats. And also, the well, the mask mandate still stays in effect. Well, but if you have a beer in your hand, you're safe. That's that's what's important, <laughs> mm-hmm. too. As long as you're drinking, if you're seated at a table, or if you have a beer in your hand, you cannot be harmed. You're fine. Government says that that's okay. They were hardcore about it on our Southwest Airlines flight. Um, Audrey was... Well, Masks? Course, yeah. Of course, we had baby Jackson in the car seat. Uh, apparently, the babies cannot sit in the middle seat. You have to st- put them in the window seat, which is weird. Do they charge you for but, a ticket? No. Not for a child under one. A lap. A child that can sit in your lap. But... So he's in the car seat next to her, and he's like starting to get a little fussy. So she like pulled her mask down and was like, like smiling right. at him and breathing at him. And the flight attendant was like, "Ma'am, you have to put your mask over your nose." <laughs> <laughs> so, so the airline was mad about basic parenting. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a whole experience. The trip was wild. The the it was so strange. Was this, were you guys flying ATA Airtran? What uh, what fine? I said it's been a while since I flown. Southwest. I said Southwest. Uh, so, TWA, the plane was that the plane they said was only slightly over fifty percent full. So that was cool, um, and the airport was dead. Uh, the Indianapolis airport, yeah, where you flew out of both of them. Wow, yeah, they, they were they were both just totally dead. It was wild. It's also really nice because there's no line at the TSA. Again, this is the, the guy world, that wants the, 10 spots between the, him the and the person The world he wants to, to live in is going to cost 10 times as much as the one that <laughs> yeah. we want to live in, Rob. He's, he's got expensive taste. Listen, once we get Andrew Yang, <laughs> when we can afford it, $1,000 a month. Well, I mean, if you're unemployed, you'd be getting uh, 2400 a month. Yeah. Yeah. You're just doing this wrong. All right. So the big news last week... Uh, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, if you are a cheat sheet subscriber, which I am, you got a sweet little email that said that IndiePolitics.org did a, did a poll, and Eric Holcomb, the incumbent governor, 36%, Woody Myers, the challenging Democrat, was polling at 30%, and Don Rainwater polling at 24%, with 10% undecided. A poll that had a plus or minus margin of error of about 3%, 10% still undecided, eight weeks out of the election. That poll made the entire political world in Indiana screeching halt. Was that poll, and you guys can answer this better than, than I can, was that the greatest moment in Indiana libertarian history when that poll came out? It was right up there. <laughs> it was right up there where you go, oh, boy, they have, they have hit the nerve of nerves. It's almost like whenever your Republican opponent makes racist Facebook posts and you think, <laughs> well, we got them now. <laughs> but then it doesn't happen. So, so that did eclipse the Murdoch moment as the greatest moment in libertarian uh, party history then. Yes. Uh, well, our, <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll leave it there. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to say anything I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, shouldn't dig into. Um, it was amazing because I, <laughs> I saw that come in and I was like, you, you sent me a screenshot of the cheat sheet. And I was like, what? That, that can't be real. And then oh, I started seeing real. it everywhere. You've started and then to see I it started, anecdotally before yeah, that. Right. Where people were people that you don't know on don't know politically are starting to talk about Don Rainwater's campaign. 
And, and the the best part, if you if you haven't done it, it's sport now for me is to go to the Republican Party and Eric Holcomb Facebook pages on a daily basis. <laughs> yes. And every post they make, no matter what the topic is, the comments are the best 30 minutes you'll spend all my, day. My Pure favorites are hate. just like, it'll be something like um, the, the, <laughs> there's a, the race is coming back to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And then it's just a bunch of uh, people in the comments that are just like, Don Rainwater for governor. <laughs> uh, it's just, it, it is, and it couldn't happen to a better, more deserving person. And I'm sure we'll get into that later. But it it is wonderful to see how ardent the support is for Rainwater, and a huge portion of it is that this guy is Holcomb is so reviled. So uh, here is what I wanted to talk about with that was. Is there a governor in the United States that's not going to be extremely disliked during this election cycle? I don't know. The governor of South South Dakota seems to be doing just fine. It, no one it, pays it, attention to. There's like eight people that live there. <laughs> it's how, it, but well, it's what you do, but it's also how you handle it. And I hope it's okay if I go into this just a little bit. The history of Eric Holcomb, because Absolutely. it's very important, and everybody hearing our voices right now, whether it's live or on the podcast, we are not kidding. There is literally a chance for the first time in U.S. political history for a libertarian to be elected governor of a state. So if you're hearing this, even if you don't live here, if you care about liberty and freedom, rainwaterforindiana.com is the website. Go there. Check it out. Consider donating five bucks, ten bucks. Change your profile picture. Whatever. This is a a real chance. And this is this this coming from it's lightning in a bottle right now. This is coming from, if you don't know my history, and a former elected Republican and a guy Donald Trump in person once told terrific. So I'm not some in the tank libertarian. (laughs) Um, I'm still technically a registered uh, Republican in the primary. But the history of Eric Holcomb, he was he he was given what he has. He was running third in the three way center race when Dan Coates decided to retire. His, His boss was retiring. and He said, I want that job. And it was Todd Young and Marlon Stutzman. And Marlon Stutzman was winning that Senate race because Holcomb and a guy named Todd Young, who's now the senator, were splitting the vote. And the Republican Party said of, of Indiana said, we have a huge problem here. We have to figure out a way to get this goober Holcomb out of the race. Holcomb was so bad in that race. He was so far behind. His literal campaign strategy was to shoot baskets in all 92 counties. No joke. I mean, he was very proud of it. He was out of money. He had no chance. So we got to get this guy out, but he's not going to just go willingly because he doesn't know anything but politics. Did he shoot the baskets like a clay pigeon. He was doing, you know, like a Hoosiers thing, like Jimmy yeah. Chitwood. You know, you guys got these here in, uh, in Newcastle. We have the Hoosier gym. Yeah, that's right. Right County. here in a beautiful Knightstown. I can't believe that joke didn't land. <laughs> <laughs> the basketball ring. And so they said, we got to get this guy out of the race. Well, he's not going to go willingly. So they, at the time, had a lieutenant governor named Sue Elsperman. Who, who, she got a lateral promotion. Who did not like Mike Pence, who was the governor at the time. She was a really good, decent person. She quickly found out what it's like to work in and around Mike Pence. I can say that because I did it too. And Pence was going to have to go super negative in the campaign against John Gregg because Pence was so unpopular at the time. And Sue Elserman is a great woman. She's a very good and decent person. And she said, I'm not doing this. I'm not playing this game. I got into politics and government to do good not be a lap lap dog attack dog so the indiana party bosses figured out if we can get rid of her there's a way to get rid of this guy and move them around conveniently the president position at ivy tech the community college opened up and boy wouldn't you know just like that science saying fourth of july was the day that we can all go out and do things again candidate 
Sue Elsperin was the best person in the whole state to run Ivy Tech. So I'll be darned if she didn't get that job. And wouldn't you know of all the, the 6.7 million people in our state, you know who the best person to be lieutenant governor was? Keep in mind, he's never actually been elected. He'd run for one public office before and got beaten, was running again and was getting beaten. But it turned out it was Eric Holcomb. And boy, wouldn't you know, Eric got to be lieutenant governor. She got her job. And then all of a sudden it was Todd Young against Marlon Stutzman one-on-one. And Todd Young got three and a half million dollars from various uh, high-level GOP establishment donors. And done and done. It's amazing how it all works out. But I, I'm, I'm rambling here. I'm sorry. Who did you work for in that campaign? I worked for Marlon. <laughs> I worked for Marlon <laughs> So I saw it firsthand. Yeah, you were, you, you were on the inside to see it. I mean, I, I saw you it all knowledge. happen firsthand. And, and not to branch off in the Todd Young thing, but we all know the thing where he didn't get the signatures to be on the ballot. It was blatant he didn't get the Order signatures. Order 97's close enough in yeah, that county. I mean, and, and any one of us who got it, uh, oh, that happened. They would have thrown us off in a second, but because his literally a guy on the election board donated to him. Listen, man, he's a Marine. Big, <laughs> big money. And his attorney at the election board was Susan Brooks, who's a U.S. rep's husband. I mean, these Republican Party guys are so blatantly corrupt and they don't even hide it because they realize they can scare people into saying, well, you don't want a Democrat, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, we're not your cup of tea, but you, you, don't, want a, you don't want a Democrat. And Eric Holcomb is the head of that snake. Yeah. He's the literal head of that snake. So he ran, he ran for lieutenant governor and then your guy uh, picked Vice President uh, Pence, yes, formerly Governor Pence, formerly my Congressman Pence, yes, for a decade uh, as the running mate. And now you have the brother, right? And now we have Greg. I've yep. never met him. I've tried many times. Greg has never crossed paths with me. Did he ever pay that money back to the people at the bank? Not so sure. Oh, they didn't get that money. Okay, all right. No, Go on. No, I'm no, sorry. no. Uh, bankruptcy law. It, he he did the Michael Scott and said I declare bankruptcy because he runs the campaign on the values and stuff. So right. I just you know you'd think in your community if you. Kind of ready to serve again. Okay, so so he. uh, (laughs) I haven't actually seen him talk (laughs) ever. I've never never heard his voice not once. I had to do an event uh, one time that he was at in his district, and uh, uh, the things I've said publicly. You know, you know me. Anything I'll say, sure, public. I'll say right to your face. Uh, he was there, and that was uh, that was awkward because I've said all these things on a radio station. You can get all the way from Ohio to, to that's what I figure is going to happen to us probably <laughs> next cycle. Is he'll finally be like, "Oh, sure, we'll come in." <laughs> yeah, I'll do an interview, and we'll be like, uh, "Please don't listen to the show before you come." <laughs> <laughs> well, every time he he swings through Henry County, somebody that they post it on Facebook, and it's like Guffy is always right in there. He's like, you could swing by and let us know you're coming or something like that. Absolutely. So, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, that he so does we'll not get, off, get out of the we'll, echo chamber. We'll get off topic for a half second on, on Congressman Pence. <laughs> Literally, he has not met anybody that's not at a Republican event. Nobody. It's <laughs> always like the hot dog on the courthouse lawn or, hey, we're going to meet with seven Republicans and take a picture in a restaurant. It's always a very safe place. Yeah, it's an echo chamber. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I've sent- And the only reason that you know he's going to be at the restaurant is because our good friend Clay Morgan is like, <laughs> hey, Greg Pence is coming to town if anybody wants you to got, come by. You've got 38 oh. minutes notice and it's at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday. Not any of the last two times he's been here. Usually. And I've sent messages to Republicans. I'm like, look, look, you need to give me a heads up. I'll take time off work to come talk to the man. Think about if your whole life was based on I have the same last name 
and I bear a strong resemblance to my very famous brother. I'm going to ride them coattails as far as I can, baby. So submarine tax. So he's in 120 day campaign. Essentially, Pence ends up uh, the vice presidential nominee. The Republicans have three people that decide they want to be governor. Susan Brooks, Todd Rokita, who's running for something else now. I don't remember anymore. And uh, general. Is that the one this he just, time? He's just running the joke. He's over checked here. a lot of boxes. I think it's Congress, isn't it? Or Secretary of State. Nobody can remember. You anyway, like you should have like dry erase at the bottom of the sign. For, I, well, yeah. I think, I think, he, I think, he, I don't think it says his office on the sign. Just vote for Todd. You do it every time. That's it. It just says, Rakita, um, if you see me on the ballot, can you, <laughs> like, like when I ran and it was a local office, but I took a long time to decide, would I be good at this? Can I make a difference at this? And this was on the local level. Can you imagine just picking every office and being like, I'd be good at that one. Oh, yeah. Good. I mean, just hey. ping, ping. I ping, looked ping. at myself in the mirror and said, I'm perfect for that one, too. <laughs> I like, so. I, I actually kind of like Tom. I went to the to the Senate debate in what year was that? Was this the one where he went at Abdul? Um, it was, yeah, whichever one that we got invited to is the press and I went and I think, no, Tony Katz was moderating. Okay. That was in the lobby of Emmis. Oh, that's yeah. right. And I was not, I invited. watched that debate and I was <laughs> like, <laughs> you were, you were working for Hank Hendricks County public radio the, at the time. It was, uh, Mike Braun, Todd Young. Wait, no, who was it? Uh, Messer. 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 Yeah. Luke yeah. Messer. Yeah, and Mike Braun and Luke Messer and Todd Rikita. were being like pretty nice. Yeah, and Todd just didn't care. Yeah, and he just went out there and he said whatever was on his mind. It was like, but it wasn't in the Trump way. Yeah, where it was like it was blatantly offensive, but he was trying to make a joke, but the jokes didn't land, so they just tried harder. <laughs> his it, he was like actually making points. The the crazy thing about Todd Rakita, and I say this many times, and his people hate me now, of course, because anytime you call out a high-profile politician for the truth, right? I mean, it's not stuff you have to make up. It's easily provable. They get very angry. Todd was a great Secretary of State. Sure. For all the bull crap he's done afterwards, yeah. he was really good. He was very fair to libertarians. He was great to libertarians. He had the best redistricting plan I've ever seen yeah. with his rethink redistricting. That was fantastic. He, he, he was really good at that. He was an okay congressman, but then, and so many politicians do this, they say, oh, well, Trump got elected, and he's really Trumpy, and it's like, there's only one Trump, and he's really good at it, and you're not that, so just be yourself, and that was what yeah. was so disappointing about him, is he could have actually run on a record. He's like one politician that could have run on a record, and he just made a joke of himself. Yeah. So and he had merged those two sides yeah. into like this one perfect a Captain candidate. Planet. Let's yeah. before we yes. forget where we're at. Let's 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 pick up the uh, the the story of how Eric Holcomb got from Pike High School to here. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he Susan Brooks and Todd Rakita run for run for governor. The uh, eighteen uh, Republican Central Committee big, Central Committee the the folks that get to pick they sit down one Saturday say hey it's going to be it's going to be uh, Holcomb. Uh, he picks a uh, lieutenant governor nominee, and he wins a very, very quick campaign, gets a bunch of money from the Republican Governors Association, and he narrowly beats uh, John Gregg and, and Rex Bell. Um, four years, you know, he's just kind of, okay, yeah, mundane, standard Republican, standard Republican. He raised taxes a couple of times oh, along the way. 50 times. Uh, and then uh, and then pandemic hits, and then you see authoritarian Holcomb. Well, but that's, but that's who he is, right? Eric Holcomb is an elitist individual. He's not a person who has earned anything he's had. He, he hasn't had a real job since he was in the Navy. He's always been the tagger along in politics. 
And these Republican establishment politicians and most importantly, the donors and lobbyists, they love Eric Holcomb. They love him because he has no original thought. They're not they're not going to say that they love him because he was the guy that was showing up at all of these events as the state chairman and all of that. Listen, yeah. he was the, the grinder. Start, he was doing the work. Uh-huh. At the start of the, all this, I really, I really liked Eric. I thought Holcomb was doing a good job. I thought that his uh, all of his talk about data driven policy was great. I thought that we needed level headed, data driven policy that didn't care about what either side emotionally wanted. It was just focused on the facts. And I thought that's what we were going to get. And I talked about it a lot whenever we were doing this show Remotely. over Zoom about how I thought he was doing a great job. And then he just kept moving the goalposts. And I thought that's not what leadership looks like. It's it's not what leadership looks like at all. You don't it leadership looks like uniting a team and taking ownership for the actions that you take. And he did neither of those things. Instead he just drove a wedge of division between the two camps that were already bickering at, bickering at each other on social media. So so a couple things with Eric. So when you have someone who doesn't have core convictions, true of Republican or Democrat, they're going to take the path of least resistance, right? There's nothing that they actually stand for. You guys do this podcast every week because you love this country, you love the idea of good government. And you recognize that this is your part in it and you have a lot of people that you reach, right? Yep. Because you're, you're, it's a conversation and we help the audience sort through it together, right? Yep. You don't care about politics itself. You actually care about the idea of good government. <laughs> James Deese is in the chat. Oh, jeez. Holcomb came to my house and he stole like three of my bikes. <laughs> so, and James Deese, if you were, if you guys remember, if you go back and look at your Republican party history, James Neese is a noted Republican who yes. lost the fourth district primary to Jim Baird. Longtime Republican stalwart, James Neese. Okay. I'm not going to say I did vote for James Neese. I'm not going to say I didn't vote for James Neese. Uh, I would have. Again, I'm not going to say I, I did not vote loved, for James Neese. I would have loved to seen James Neese on the House floor. James Neese is the congressman that America deserves. Okay? You know me, and I've said that about Trump for a long time. He's he is the, the president not, America deserves. He's and, not the congressman America deserves. He's the congressman that America needs. <laughs> So when you're not wed to anything in your path of, of, of least resistance, you don't have any core beliefs or thoughts of your own. You're always looking to other people. And when they came to him and said, you got to shut the state down, there's not that that trigger in your head. You, All of us, Guffy, everybody here would, would say, wait a second. What about the lives, the daily existence of the people I'm destroying, the people who go to work, the business owners, the whole infrastructure of society? But if you've always been in government and you've always been in politics, the money is just always there. There's no risk. Yeah. It's just always there. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And to Eric Holcomb in the beginning, I think almost unmaliciously, it was life experience tells me, well, the money's always there. We'll figure it out. But then what happens is when you're an elitist and you don't like to be challenged, when people go, wait a second, dude. The money's not there for me. I want my business back open, and you're a giant piece of crap for ruining my life. The first optics of this going terribly wrong for Governor Holcomb was when he shut down the state. He said, state parks are closed. You can't go. And then it turns out, hey, Governor Holcomb has a private residence in the, in, in Brown County State Park that you, you just closed to the public. I can't go stay there, but he did. And then... 
he goes into Nashville, Indiana, and poses for a selfie with two people, no mask. Within hours of him issuing the plan to reopen yeah. the state and telling everyone and how important the masks are. Whenever I first saw that, I think it was a candidate for Congress in our district, Janine Lee Lake, who shared the picture. This is, I was still a pretty big Holcomb fan at that time because he had just rolled out that, that plan. The data-driven plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The science. Yeah. You've so got to trust like, the science, Dakota. <laughs> so I was like, that came, That had to be taken like weeks ago. And now they're like... <laughs> it's a like, Rob Kendall yeah. plot to destroy like, the governor. And now they're just... Uh, they've pulled it up, and now they're saying that it was just, you know, a few hours ago. And then he's like... At the next presser, he's like, I'm really sorry. I was like, <laughs> no! Zach, you're an astute watcher of of all things political you don't always get involved or comment but you you saw this happening yeah what's your what's your gut feeling is as this as he's as he's progressing uh, through this. I kinda, uh, uh, well on that one i kind of i'm usually not i don't i'm not i don't know i didn't know all the history of how it got in there i kind of rolled my eyes i kind of thought at that point people are still getting used to it i thought that's a screw up he's gonna really pay. i was like but at the same time he's trying to be human which I, because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he's playing forty chess and he did it on purpose. Yeah, well, to seem he fallible. just was trying to be nice. I was because I think most people are like it's it's weird to be talking to somebody and then like oh wait don't take a step. And at that point and we were adjusting to were that. Wearing masks. Yeah. Oh yeah. The yeah the way before the mask. I don't think I owned one yet, and I was just sitting at home. <laughs> but it was I was in the state park thing, and yeah, I remember. It, oh, he has a residence there. I was like, oh, that's that's cute. And then I think at that point they were. <laughs> Brown County was lobbying, like the community down there was lobbying to shut that park down. They, they were sending, they were the ones that got all of the state park shut down and he listened to them because apparently he lives there. But they said, Hey, we have, <laughs> we have one pharmacy. We have one grocery store. We have one gas station and we can't have you interlopers from Henry County or Marion County coming down here and getting us sick. Apparently the governor can because he has a residence there. But did, that was. Did that you was guys even know he had a cabin? I had no idea he had, had a cabin. Never heard, I, I, I didn't know that. I figured Mitch Daniels would have sold it. Honestly, I looked it up, and it. I looked. <laughs> I looked up the cabin he was at, and I was like, "Wow, that place is sweet." I'm like, "I wonder how much you, my, my, how much well, it well, costs here, to rent that." Here's place. The, here's the story you won't hear about that cabin is that Daniels and I heard this from very reliable sources. Um, Daniels very rarely Thank used you. the cabin. Didn't acknowledge the cab. What? What was that? I said, was it Q? Your anonymous story? <laughs> no, was not Q. <laughs> uh, people have been to the cabin. Daniels did nothing with it because, you know, Mitch, the blade, right? I mean, you know who put all the money into the cabin was Mr. and Mrs. Pence. Oh, all the taxpayer money came from the Pence's, just like with the governor's mansion. So I, I, I sometimes people don't walk the the walk that they talk, and, and you'll see a lot of that. But I didn't even know he had a cabin. And I can't imagine hours after you've given an order of everyone to shut the hell up and stay home and wear a mask that you go on quasi vacation <laughs> and are photographed taking a photo with strange or you're taking a photo with strangers without masks. I just, it It is who he is. So that was the first chink in the armor. And then we go down the path and it's if you guys all behave and do everything just right by by July 4th. We're going to go to stage five and it's going to be okay. Can I touch on one more thing though? Cause sure. there was a big thing that I was screaming about the t- at the time. And now people talk about it. They reference it just as the thing that it is. He called. So, so shortly after these orders, the shutdown orders, even before the maskless photo, I think 
he there's a protest on the governor's lawn. Peaceful protest. They were great people. They picked up all their trash. No violence. You know, just just salt of the earth. Wonderful people. And the protest was, hey, brah, I'd like to go to work and I'd like to have my business open. Thanks. On the governor's lawn. No social distancing, no masks. Everybody's freaking out, right? Legal, a legal protest. I mean, they weren't storming the Bastille. You know, I mean, it was all, they had the proper permitting, whatever. He comes out at his press conference and calls those people a human Petri dish. Mm -hmm. I can't think of much worse in this society to call your fellow man than a human Petri dish. And that was the moment to me. It's like, you are such an elitist and you think you're so much better than everyone else. I think you're dangerous. Deplorables is up there too. Deplorables popped into my brain too. (laughs) Well, yeah, but 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 those two people have a similar mindset. They maybe have different letters next to their name, but it's the same thing, right? These people are literally begging you. I need to work. I need to eat. I need to feed my family. I need to pay my rent, and you call them a human petri dish. Then a few weeks later, the people who facilitate, in many ways, the looting and rioting of downtown Indianapolis. Governor unqualified comes out and goes, well, those are noble people. This is a noble cause. So the people who want their jobs back are human Petri dishes. But the people who facilitate in many ways the looting and rioting of downtown Indianapolis, that's noble. That is when he lost a lot of people. So all the while, uh, Rainwater has been running his campaign, picking up steam, continuing to attend local events, continuing to come out with policy positions. And, And somewhere along the line, folks said, I'm looking for a different alternative. Dr. Myers has been the most quiet candidate I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I've done this. You know, I've, this is my fourth governor's race that I've been uh, plugged into the political world in. And I've never seen somebody. This should have been. It's a pandemic. He's the he's the state health commissioner doctor. He should have been the tip of the spear press every day. This should have been the ultimate for him. And instead, nobody cares. And that that's where. Rainwater comes in and fills the void. And and you guys, you being the Libertarian Party, deserve a lot of credit. Because I know there was some debate when it was Levin running against Rainwater. Hey, who do we pick? Because Levin's sort of the, as Abdul and I described it on the State House Happenings podcast, we do. Uh, the da 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 Like, there, there's a lot of circus-type mentality with Levin, which will bring a lot of eyes to him. Like, right. he's a guy you... He's a showman. He is. But but yeah, with but, Don, you have a candidate that actually is ready to do the job. And, 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 and I got to admit that at the time, at that convention, because the convention happened right before the whole COVID thing, yep. I thought you guys might have made a mistake by not going with Levin, because I felt like a Levin would get you guys a lot of state-earned media. Right. yeah. No, I wouldn't have agreed with him on a lot of things, but if the goal is to get at a guy who's literally destroying the state, maybe a guy who gets statewide media is the best choice. You guys hit a home run in picking Rainwater because he's likable. He's a nice guy. He comes off as gubernatorial. You see him speak. We did. He's a got a very deep voice, very good stature. He's experienced. He's run for office a number of times. Yeah. And, He's and, a veteran. He's a business owner. We taped a couple videos together that are coming out every couple days about various issues. And so many people have said, I'd never seen the guy in person before, but he looks like he belongs in that job. And so you guys at the, at the Libertarian Convention really did a great job. Now, I, you couldn't have imagined all of this. But, hey, it doesn't matter how you got there, right? It's just that you got there. You guys did a tremendous job in picking that candidate. You've always got to show up. You've always got to field candidates. And you never know when it's going to be the year that you catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And, you and never know. And people see him and they say, I can see this guy in this position. He's totally right on 
most of the views, right? I mean, in the debate, he's going to win because people are going to say, I agree with that. The problem with the libertarians is how do you get enough people that by the time you get to the the debates, people are actually watching with intent and interest, and you're going to have that this year. And it's a great position that the libertarians are in. It's a wild time. And you potentially have, we don't know what's going to happen with the presidential side. You've got a state that's generally very Republican. But if you end up with folks that are interested in splitting their tickets for other races down ballot, that's an even further uh, opportunity for Rainwater because he's going to have to have people that don't just go in and check that red box and move and move on. That, By the way, if you check that red box, you're not voting in your county council races and you're not voting in your school board races. So do your job and go all the way through the damn ballot. Do you think that since the poll came out that had him at 24%, do you think he's even higher now? Because my social media seems to be quite, quite a bit more active about Don Rainwater since the poll. So it's two things, right? The Internet's not real life. We always say that. And so if we're going to say it on other things, we've got to say it here. Internet's not real life. But anecdotally, when you talk to people, they are so fed up with high-tax Holcomb that they know Myers isn't a viable option. And you see this dude, and the more you see him, and the more you like him, and he's a dad, and he's a grandpa, and he's a veteran, and he's a normal dude, and he's a good dude, and he's pragmatic, and he comes off as the sort of guy that can work with other people on both sides of the aisle and come up with, with legislation that promotes liberty and freedom, you say, I can see this guy being governor. And Indiana has a history of taking turds who defy the people and betray the people and flushing them down the toilet. We saw in 2007 with the mayor's race in, in, in uh, Indianapolis when Greg Ballard came out of nowhere. Peter, Peter, Peterson. Bart Peterson. And then we saw it in 2012 with Richard Luger and, and Richard Murdoch, in which people said they just made up their mind. I'm done. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry. You've had your time. I've heard you. And you're not, in this case, uh, because Luger had all the money too, right? And, and, and Peterson had all the money. And all the money in the world is not going to save you, and you're not going to spend what's going on in my existence. You're not going to feed me you know, gruel and tell me it's steak. So that has been the interesting thing is that almost every day Holcomb is rolling out another endorsement of an organization or a pack that says, I love I love Eric Holcomb. <laughs> and I've noticed that it's never a voter. I've not seen a single picture of Susan from from Brushville <laughs> saying that Eric Holcomb is the best and he's the he's the person for me. But I it, and as soon as you see that roll out, once again, it's the flood of comments for Don Rainwater's my guy. You've got 500 people that say I want rainwater. Nobody says yes, absolutely, because the Indiana State Police or the, the Chamber of Commerce or the Right to Life group or the NRA or whatever, whatever major group is endorsing, the, the endorsements have not been reaching regular voters. Guff, you can get in on this, too. Have any of you guys ever voted based on an, an endorsement in any level? Not that I can ever recall. Uh, a personal endorsement. If I, have, if I have a friend say, hey, you need to go vote for so-and-so for the school board, that see, matters. It could be mm-hmm. you know, maybe connected to the endorsement because I know whenever Chris was running in his city council race, we did a sit-down, which was a big deal. We were invited as libertarian candidates, and I, as the chairman at the time, was invited along with them to just answer questions about libertarianism in general. Okay? So... This was for the uh, the firefighters local union here, and it was for their endorsement. So would would Chris getting the endorsement in the newspaper make it that much of a difference? Probably not. But would the funding and the donations that they had given him made a difference? 
Yes. Potentially. But when, when, when you get a race that's this polarizing, money's not going to matter. And right. think, you, you get people that are just pissed off and they say, right. I'm not. They said there, um, there comes a point where there's so much damage that you can't fix it with money. Eric and, Holcomb has eight million dollars in his account and Woody Myers has uh, just under a hundred thousand. And, and, and Rainwater's Rain- raised like seventy thousand dollars this week. Yes. Yeah. It's and, it's coming. So so that that is um, the key. Right. And think about who the endorsements are. So and think about where we're at. So we're in September. Most people haven't even super started paying attention yet. We're in September, and what have they rolled out this week? The NRA and Right to Life. I never remember when it was R versus D, the Republicans proudly touting NRA and Right to Life because they're super controversial in terms of the general electorate. They're polarizing. They're not doing that because they're worried about Woody Myers. They're doing it. Maybe we can get to this in a minute about the internal polling that I know Holcomb is and the Republicans are doing. They're doing it. Because they know they're in, they're in danger. And look, right to life, and I saw many comments about this, and I'm one of them. If you're going to endorse a guy that left abortion factories open while he shut down Wendy's, I'm out. I'm never giving another dime to these people because the, you guys are just another political organization. You're not really about saving lives. Eric yeah, Holcomb the, is not pro-life. I mean, the NRA also endorsed the, the guy for president that, that signed more gun laws into the books than Obama. So <laughs> That's right. So it's it shows you they're very worried, they're very concerned, and I just I think he's in big trouble. But yeah, let's get to this point because I I've seen it, um, and it might just I've seen it on social media, and it might be from you, where that uh, Holcomb had an internal poll done and didn't re- release the results. So I know of at least two they've done, and you guys are political veterans here. You know how that works if, if you like it. It's out there because keep in mind, he put out a poll right before the primary that showed him the most popular Republican since Ronald Reagan. If Reagan arose from the grave, according to his poll, it would be neck and neck between Eric Holcomb and (laughs) Ronald Reagan. It also showed Donald Trump as the least popular Republican since Herbert Hoover. The polling Abdul did, which is actually scientific, which shows the data. It shows how they did it. He interviewed the pollster and they went through it shows the reality. And it's the same thing I've heard from not one, but two people they are finding in their own poll. The only reason he's winning now is because of Joe Biden voters. Joe Biden voters, 16 to 18%, it kind of fluctuates, are what's putting him over the top. That's how he's getting across the finish line, which is why he didn't release the mask mandate, because the Biden voter likes the mask mandate. He's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't because he's he's on this line where he's losing his own base, right? His base is eroding. Woody Myers is is like capped out at 30 or 32 percent. And that seems to be where he's going to be removed from there. And now and now you've got you can't lose the people that are he can't piss off the Biden voters so much where they just don't vote for governor. He, he's he's going to erode either way. He's going to lose the base that he that got him elected last time or he's going to lose the people that might put him over the top. The problem is, and, and they don't, and they're not super happy about going to stage five either. Those Biden people are right. also, I've seen a whole lot of folks that say, Oh my God, we're not ready for this. There's no way. But when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything, right? I mean, all we can ask of people who go into public service is I stand for whatever. And people will judge me on the merits of what I stand for. I did that all the time. You take the stances that are with your core convictions that you believe are best for the people around you that are in line with the Constitution and the oath of office you take. I've said that a bunch of times about Mike Pence on this show. 
is I might disagree with him on quite a few policy decisions, but I can say at least one thing, and that is that whenever he makes up his mind, he usually has his own personal convictions behind his mind. Yeah, until 2016, but now somebody really else thinks for him. And it's, it's, <laughs> can you imagine the conversation between Mike and Karen when they had to talk about going to work with Trump? Can you imagine that? It's just, it, but it's very rare that you see Mike Pence uh, move the needle at all on on where he stands personally, and I respect him for that. But I mean, yeah, some of the, a lot of those things I don't stand for personally. But at least, at least I know that he's at least seems genuine. He's a, he's a known quantity. I mean, you know right. what you're going to get with him. Exactly. But you're right with Hulk. You just really have no idea. And, and and I think people are looking now more than ever for somebody who's willing to step up, right? They're willing to raise their hand and say, I will take the situation. From, from the federal government down to the very local level that we have seen in recent weeks, this country has a very, very bad problem with real leadership in leadership positions. 100% correct. And I had a local, uh, I realize we're getting kind of off of this. Fine, I had a, had a local politician call me the other day about an issue. And I just thought I told him, I said, your problem is you need to be liked. You want to be liked. You care about when you go to the ribbon cutting that people think you're great. And I said, that's why you're not good at your job because you know what's right. You know what to do. You know what's best for the citizenry, but you, you, you know, you, you go around the edges. You never stand up for anything. And I said, People, people may pretend they like you, but I said internally, they laugh at you. They know you're weak. And we are, our country is riddled on all levels, like you said, with these politicians who have no core belief other than reelection. There are two kinds of local politicians. There is the person that's going to sit there and listen to everybody and not have their mind made up the entire time and decide at the last possible second and not know. And there's the kind of person that has, has actually has, has a core belief and that's going to drive them forward. And that's what it is. And those are the people that I, I, I have friends that do all of it, right? I have lots of local friends in politics, but the people that say, these are my core beliefs. This is where I'm going to be. Sometimes it's popular. Sometimes it's not, but this is the path we're on. This is what I want to do. Those are the ones that I have the most respect for. It's a, it's an amazing time to be alive, isn't it? Like, I mean, and you know, I looked at something like that. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it truly is. It's an amazing time to be alive. And you know, you know, this, I looked, I looked at running for this libertarian nomination and, I couldn't have ever envisioned COVID. And there's a big part of me now that's like, wow, wouldn't it be great to be in that arena? But in a weird way, I think Donald Rainwater is the best prepared. It is almost the perfect guy for the equation because he's not polarizing as a person. He's convicted. He, he has, uh, he has a core set of beliefs that he believes in that he will fight for, but they're rooted in the idea of liberty and freedom for all people to set their own course and he's so darn likable when you meet him that he's almost the perfect guy for this moment. So All right. The next Let's, question that happens in this is did on last Friday, did the governor's race get overshadowed? And now people aren't going to pay attention because Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. And now does it all become, we can't talk or discuss or anything other than the top of the ticket. It's Biden versus Trump versus Jorgensen. If you talk to some of us. That's the only, that's the only race that matters. You got to decide who's going to be on the Supreme Court. We got to, this is, this conversation is the only one that matters. We're back to that again. I'd be curious to hear you guys first. I've gone first on everything so far. Right. So let's, let's give a little bit of background. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg 
died September 18th, 2020. She left an opening on the Supreme Court, obviously. Uh, she was appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States in 1993 by Bill Clinton, and she first had her first bout with pancreatic cancer in 1996, I guess. I did not know that it was so early into her career. She was the second woman on the Supreme Court of the United States, and she was the first Jewish woman on the Supreme Court of the United States. And I read through her rap sheet, which is, I guess, a fitting term since her nickname is the Notorious RBG, or RGB. And she had... We call it a resume, not a rap sheet when it comes to judges, man. I don't know. It goes along with the nickname. <laughs> Like the notorious B.I.G. Thank you for this water, by the way. Absolutely. You guys are so well stocked here at the uh, try. She had it's Clover a Valley. Hand. Nobody knows where that comes from. <laughs> she had a hand in so many rulings. She was a tiebreaker a lot, too, where she was, I guess, I mean, and, you know, I'm pretty average in that I don't pay a lot of attention to the Supreme Court, to be honest. It, it's just kind of unless there's like a, she was the ultimate mascot of the liberal yeah. wing of the of the Supreme Court. Right. But she was as the years went on, you start hearing her name more and more often. And I don't know if it's because, you know, she was 87 whenever she died. So she was getting up there in age. I don't know if it's just because the left was just very worried about having a conservative president making the appointment or what. But she did an extreme amount of rulings and looked over a lot of different cases in her career. But now that she's passed away and we're so close to the election, it seems like, well, actually Lindsey Graham, if you remember in 2016 and he was uh, trying to block the, the, um, I can't remember the justice now. Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland. Yeah. Garland. Whenever he was trying, he to, was Obama's appointee yeah, after school passed he was away in 2016. To, to block that appointment in 2016, he actually said the words in an interview: "In the future, you can use these words against me," which was I, I a horrible it. mistake. <laughs> I saw that quote. <laughs> this is the, the, that quote didn't age well for him. Yeah, yeah. So now he those words are being used against him because we are close to an election year, or we are in an election year. We are close to the actual election date, and. The Democrats are saying the same thing the Republicans did. We need to let the American people decide at the next election who they want to replace our GB. So the issue, the issue that, that everybody's going to struggle with, and I, the night it happened, I put a Facebook post out saying, no matter what happens, let's not get into the nasty and the terrible and the awful that's coming because that's not – just we can't take it. This has been a bad enough year. Let's it was not, nice of you. Let's to not let's put not that get out in, there. Let's but, not get into the mud and let's try to do better. At least individually, we know what's going to happen from Washington and be realistic, Jeremiah. You knew job. it was coming. I'm not participating in it. Uh, the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to call out the complete and total hypocrisy from both sides. Who pick up the uh, the argument from 2016 and they just swap. That's what happens. It, it's, it's exactly what you expected to happen, and that's what has happened. Um, magically, they'll make up the rules that say, well, I mean, if it, if both both the Senate and the presidency are controlled by the same party, then that that goes to right. rule number 17B in that that 1934 uh, when we were packing the courts with Roosevelt. And it says that it's fine. So it, it every, there, you can be arbitrary as you want to. You know what's right and what's not right. If it was good enough for you in 2016, it probably ought to be good enough now. And look in the mirror both sides and do it. Is the president going to nominate somebody? Yeah, probably. Does he have 51 votes to, to get the next person through? Yeah, probably. So it's gonna, that's what's going to happen. 
I'll just say, you know, I think that it was, I think that it was silly and probably not the right move for the, for the Republicans to play this game in 2016. Uh, because the constitution just says that whenever there's a vacancy in the Supreme court, then the president will fill the vacancy and the Senate will vote on filling. What should have happened in my opinion in 2016 is they should have had the hearings. And if they didn't want to have Garland, then they should have voted. No. Yeah. They, they had the Senate. They should have, if they didn't want to do it and they had the stones to vote him down, then say no. Go through the and process. Keep, and keep yeah. voting no until you get your, till you got your guy. My, uh, Aaron Dickens says it's not the argument, it's the outcome. And that's, that's, Aaron is a fine Democrat. Uh, and that is, that is the view is that the ends justify the means. We don't care what we have to do. You have, you're going to fight the battle and you're going to pick up whatever argument you have to do to fight that battle. So, and so the I, reason, the reason they're doing this is because if they don't stop it now, that if the Democrats don't stop it now, the Supreme Court has a horrible future for them if if Trump wins re-election, which is very plausible. Stephen Breyer, the last remaining Clinton appointee, is 82 years old. If, I always get confused if it's Breyer or Souter that's still left. I know. Those guys look the same, but I feel like they're the same guy. <laughs> Just generic vanilla white guy, right? <laughs> I have to look it up and write it down. To do it. So Breyer is 82, meaning uh, 86, 87, it, you're run, you're running on borrowed time now, right? So the, he really needs Biden to win if he's, he's going to retire. He's also conservative justice. So if he starts he, seeing the writing on the wall, no, he's not. He's he's one of the Democrats. He's oh, one yeah, of the yeah, he's, he's he's a Clinton appointee. So he's eighty two years the next old. Name you're about to say. The next two that you have to look at are are the ones that are real tricky. Antonin Scalia, oh, he's seventy two and he can retire at any time he wants to. Yeah, well, right? Scalia's dead. But I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, not Scalia. Gosh darn it, uh, Thomas. Clarence Thomas. Yeah, very yes. confused. Clarence, Clarence <laughs> Thomas like, is seven years old. That's not the name either. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! All right, it, it's uh, it's it's memorizing judges for a thousand. Clarence Thomas is seventy-two years old. He's been serving for thirty years, so he he plausibly could retire under the next. Trump He's probably your best justice, though. Like yeah. I feel like Thomas, maybe maybe Alito's pretty darn good too. So he could he could retire, but if you're just entirely looking at protecting the court, Alito is seventy years old. And he served for 15 years. Roberts is 65 and has served for 15 years. There's a rule of 80 for Supreme Court justices, for all federal judges. And it says that if you've got 15 years of service and 65 years or whatever combination gets you to that number 80, you can retire with full pay, full benefits. You're good. Quarter million dollars a year for the rest of your life. And your guy can be in charge. Right. So you could if they want to get completely political Breyer may end up going just because of his age and the other three could retire under Trump and you could have a seven to two majority of Republican picks. So, so a couple things on this one, isn't it amazing that no one bats and I were throwing these ages out and no one's like, man, you should probably be retired, right? Like think about with Ginsburg 87. So she was in her mid eighties when Obama was still president. She had a wonderful opportunity if she, cause that's why this dying wish stuff is bull crap. Because if you actually cared about the court when you were in your mid eighties, look, I loved my grandparents to death. And in their mid eighties, they were still fully coherent and, but I wouldn't have wanted them making legal interpretations that affect an entire nation. At 84 years old, my grandmother would said, just, yeah, wear the mask. It's because they said you should. <laughs> I mean, it's, who is, who is Stevens? The, right the, the guy in Alaska that referred to the internet as a bunch of tubes one time in his age. <laughs> I mean, there comes a point where you just say, look, you shouldn't be making decisions. Diane Feinstein's in her 80s, et cetera. I think that 
Biden and Trump are too old to be president. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, it is well, in the eighties. Pretty pretty ridiculous that in a country of three hundred and fifty or thirty million people or whatever we've got now, that these are the two best we can do, and they're both very senior citizens. Nothing, not to be an ageist, but it's it's like look, well, it's just you true. Don't, I mean, it's not. Listen, nobody is like. I turned 75 and I have all this energy now and my brain works better. That's not how, that's not how humans work. And you don't understand things as much as you want to. You don't fully understand things that go on because the workforce is dominated by younger people. The country is dominated by younger people. They're raising the families. They're buying the goods and services. They're the dominant part of the economy. Like, so she's in her mid eighties and she's so selfish that she knows if Obama's president, because the Republicans always just roll over on the court, she could, they could have had whoever they wanted, and she didn't quit then. But she's so self-absorbed. She, so I don't care what your dying wish that, was. That is the conversation of you know it's your lifetime appointment. You can go as long as you want to, but do you want to step aside and do what Souter did? Yeah, vanilla white guy, and open the door for a, a, a for a, a Kagan or a, a Sotomayor or, or Kennedy really, or what, I really what, think it just think? boils down to the fact that. Like, if you look at RGB's career and how hard that she worked since leaving law school, and then she finally, in 93, so, uh, what, that was 29 years ago? 27. 27? Okay. Before she he was 16. And <laughs> she, so, it's she's ancient in her, dust back then to him. She's 60 years old, and she's worked that hard to get to that place. It's... That would be the, I mean, that is the pinnacle of your career that you could ever achieve. It's got to be extremely hard to let it go, even with a sweet retirement. But package. think about it in a sports analogy, like watching Willie Mays at the end of his career with the Mets or Hank Aaron at the end of his career with the Braves or even Mickey Mantle or whoever it happens to all sorts of players other than Tom Brady, apparently, who is ageless. But there comes a time where you just say, I can't yeah. do this anymore. I mean, you even, see it with fighters Adam all the Vinatieri. time. Yeah, exactly. And and so I don't feel bad about the Republicans filling the seat because, look, so here's an analogy. Had a buddy, and this has always stuck with me about how politics works. He went, used to go to the Lions game every Thanksgiving back when they, I assume they'll have a game on Thanksgiving this year and it'll be the Lions, but he would go to the Lions game every year because you'd get tickets because nobody cared about the Lions. And they would cut off beer sales right at the start of the fourth quarter. Literally, no matter who was in line, whatever, if you didn't get your beer by the time the ball was snapped at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they'd cut it off. And so he's in line and he recognizes, man, I'm cutting this close. There's certainly not going to be able to go back and get another beer. He orders like four beers and uh, because you could, I guess there really wasn't a limit. So it takes him a long time to fill these four beers for this guy. And they put them on the cart and he pays for it. Well, by the time he's paid, the ball has been snapped. And there's a lady behind him who's the last lady in line. He gets his beers, turns around, looks at her. She's, of course, fuming because this <laughs> guy just totally screwed her over. He just looks at her, shrugs his shoulders, goes, sorry, state law, and walks away. <laughs> I feel like that's the way the Republicans should handle the Supreme Court. We all know you all are full of crap. You have no core convictions. It's, it's all political. Just fill the seat and admit what you are. It's hot potato. Because that's your job to begin with. You're, you're playing hot potato Just or musical chairs, and it worked out in your favor this time. Exactly. That's you the game. got lucky. The people elected you to fill the seat. Do your job. Yeah, not don't don't give us all these BS excuses of, 
Well, <laughs> so there was a Republican majority Senate and a Democrat president, so it's different. So Ted Cruz says that we have to have it. It's unsafe to go into the next election four to four. Well, they did it four years ago. So, so what if they said, okay, you know what? Sandra Day O'Connor's still alive. We all agreed on her 30 years ago. Let's just play it safe. We'll appoint Sandra Day O'Connor. She'll sit there for six months, and then, and then we'll see what happens next year when she retires. But you are right, Boss Hog, when you said they should have said our job is to advise and consent. We advise you, Obama. We do not consent on Merrick Garland. Right. Next. Send me another one. Yep. Send me another Boom. one. That's and then they- you wouldn't have this fight again because it's, hey, we let you have your conversation. We didn't like the guy. Send me another one. Keep, yeah. We'll keep them coming. We'll keep going. 100 and they per- didn't do that, and now they have this problem today. And it's spinal, spineless weasels on both sides. And point is, though, I mean, you know, sorry, state law. Fill the seat. But now McConnell. <laughs> Federal law. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Constitutionalists. Mitch McConnell is saying that with Mitt Romney on board as the last holdout, he has 51 votes in the Senate. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, isn't there one Republican holdout right now? Two, Collins and Murkowski, the two corners of the country, Alaska and Maine. They're uh, those those women in women in government playing with different rules than the old boys club. I I'm shocked. And, but, you Romney know, said yes. Other, I'm floored. I, aren't you? Aren't I? You guys, legitimately surprised. He had to have liked. The, I mean, I guess he had to have seen the pick and said, okay. But I mean, uh, Romney I mean, and Rand Paul, there are a lot of people that could, if Jeff Flake was still there, good, good God, uh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of people that could have been thorns in the side to, to yeah. cause, to cause the issue. And I, I, I don't know for certain, but I, I, I think 50, 50 Pence breaks the tie yes. and they confirm. Yeah. So even if Romney did go away, 50, 50 Pence votes and it's, a, it's, it happens. It's always better to have one vote to lose, right? Because I think Manchin, if it comes for a vote from uh, West Virginia is going to vote for, yes, he's going to go. Is that what do you think? Yeah. Where are you at? Are you uh, you, oh. you you tend to lean? I lean left. Uh, not not Trumpy. Oh, not yeah, not. Right. <laughs> in, his, in his in his quotes about why he needs to make the pick, I, f- I found like disturbing because he basically said, "I need the Supreme Court to throw out the mail in ballots so I can win the presidency." He basically <laughs> said that. He said, "I need the Supreme Court to win me this election," because he's he's. I mean, I've, the thing I've seen that people say is going to happen and it's going to be a nightmare is that when the election comes down, Trump's going to be ahead when we all go to bed and then they're going to start counting mail-in ballots. And that's where if he loses, if he does, have the Joe that's, Biden voters that, that's where he will lose is when yeah. the Democrat, you're going to be more Democrats voting mail-in. I don't want to get on the crazy train with President Trump, but there's an article in the Gannett paper today in Muncie, this Muncie Star Press saying that the Delaware County Democrats have a precinct committee person who had a list that she worked from, and she already knew the birth dates and every other date for the, for everybody that was maybe going to vote early. So she went ahead and requested absentee ballots for all of them online, and they started showing up at their houses. And these people are going, I didn't order yeah, a ballot. Can't, you, yeah. So, I mean, so these guys have got real legitimate ballots on the, hyper, up on, the house. Hi, on the hyper-local level. Democrats need to make sure that they are squeaky clean. And they're not. Yeah. And then, there's a there's a legitimate problem in the town north and, of us. And it doesn't take anything for people to. I mean, they don't even have to fabricate because I've seen I've seen people post it. Like, look, these people got three mail in ballots at home. And you look at it, it's like the same person got three ballots. And I'm like, you look at the picture. I'm like, they're addressed to three different people. And the and <laughs> but the person just shared it because people are just sharing just left and right. So that Do three people live in the home. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but. It's, I mean, it's, it's politics. Have we made it too easy? Because I could, I could literally, I know your birthday, Zach. I could go online and say, 
I go to Indiana voters and say, hey, I, I'm Zach and I need a mail-in ballot. And an absentee ballot is going to come to your house. And then if, if it went to the wrong address or you're not there or your mail got lost and you try to show up on election day, but that mail got lost or delayed or the mail system was broken one way or another or it got delivered to the wrong house and you show up to cast your ballot. They're not going to let you cast a ballot because you've got an open, valid ballot out there somewhere that might be in the mail coming back, and they won't let you vote twice. Listen, at tw- and in the year 2020, it's ridiculous that we can't vote from our phones yet. We can bank from our phones. I think that you should be automatically registered to vote whenever you turn 18. You file your taxes from your phone. And then you should, we, the government should just have a freaking app that you just open and you vote. There's got to be some person like James Neese out there that's smart enough <laughs> to do the I'm security work. So much money. I mean, and, and you could right now. and you could track all that. Like that. There's like yeah, that's not with good. All that stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's got to be a way. Someone way smarter than me that knows what they're doing with technology and security. I mean, how do CIA spies communicate back to Washington D.C. with the phone? You know. Yeah. So what? I think so, they use Facebook Messenger. So so on the flip side of that. And and I'd be curious to see what the the answer is. Why do you think it's too much to ask people one day out of every? Oh, I, I don't think it's too go, much to, to ask because we know that's secure, right? Right. I don't think it's too much to ask. I'm just saying, like that would, it, and in our current time, that would take care of all of this, all of these, except hy- for the 87 year old woman situ- who can't scenarios. Freaking. Look, I struggle when Snapchat updates on my phone and it makes noises. <laughs> right. Can you imagine having to take take your grandmother and teach her how to vote? Right. Well, I think the other issue phone. is that they're having a hard time with getting poll workers. And so they're ending up in a situation where I think Henry County a couple of years ago, you had like eight or ten places you could go vote. And now it's down to, I think, like four or five. We used to have we've completely changed the way that we do voting in, yeah. in our community. We used to have 41 different polling places and they were all little tiny precincts. And now we've gone to these big vote centers. And you've got like eight places to order. And the to, people to that normally this, work those are usually like older folks, retirees. They're Ginsburg like at aged. risk. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're kind of, they're in a, a bad spot. And so I think, I think here early voting's open. So I like encourage people if you don't go vote early, you can vote early. Vote early, vote and often. It, and if you've, yeah. You don't want to make you quit. If you vote early, guess what? You're going to go in somewhere and you're going to probably be the only person voting at that time. You won't have to deal with lines or a whole bunch of people. Um, that's what I've done the last couple cycles is I have just gone ahead and voted on a Saturday a week or two before the election and it's in and you're set and it's done. I like, I like going and standing in line for the polls. Yeah. The guy that was just advocating. Oh yeah. You're in a union. You like the, the, t- the time off they give you from work. They guarantee it. I get, yeah, I get the day. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't get any time off work. <laughs> Mr. Government worker over there. <laughs> I'm going to, I, I volunteered to work the polls this year. That's a, as a poll worker. thing. It's easy money. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I've got, I'm like, I'm off work. And if they need people, I'm in my thirties. I'm, I'm fine to, to help out. And yeah, you, you get paid a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I'll, a little bit of money to buy dinner later on. I'm like, yeah, who, what's it hurt to do I, it? I mean, being a clerk, cause I did it several years is the easiest job ID. It, uh, it's changed now. You don't have to sign a book anymore, but you just look at the ID address. Boom. Sign they scan the back of your driver's license. You here. do nothing. And you get like $140 for the day. And if nothing else for lo- locally, I can warn them about our awful, Pulling our machines. <laughs> I'm going to send machines, all of our voters to you. Yeah, our machines <laughs> slap your hand electronically if you don't vote straight ticket. You've made a mistake. Go back yeah. and check. Are, the are box. you sure you don't want to just vote for one team elephant or team donkey? Are you sure. <laughs> or team porcupine. Don't Which I think is so ridiculous on the ballots because it makes it so. It confused a lot of people. 
No, I'm I'm I just mean, talking about the straight ticket thing. How it's got the animal for the party next to it. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it's, it says Republican. It's got the little the elephant. The little elephant. Is Democrats that a statewide thing donkey. or a county thing? Because I've never straight ticket voted. I've only ever voted in Henry County. Our, and our machines got like more complicated. They were kind of like iPads. And it was real simple. And then now it's a thing where you get this piece of paper and you feed it in there. Yep. And then it sucks out. But it immediately, there's like no, they don't have the same technology that gas pumps have. Where when you get done with a gas pump, there's like, you know, a 15 second delay before it, it goes into like, welcome back to here. It immediately asks for you to put it back in. And you're like, wait. And you start and like, no, 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 no. <laughs> the next voter. But it literally hasn't given you two seconds. No, to I want to vote three away. times. Yeah. Flip it over. So oh, it's going to be an adventure. Two-year-old Trump, equipment Trump's that's worse last rally where he said that maybe he would make an executive order to make Biden not president. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. It was a good joke. My uh, favorite thing that was... I love the... I do like that about Trump. I like watching him say stuff like that, and then I like watching CNN take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess he was asked, can you guarantee a, a peaceful transition? Yeah. He's like, eh, what's he going to do? He <laughs> yeah. can barely walk down a ramp yeah. or drink a glass of water. What's he actually going to do? He'll, he'll come downstairs with Mel Gibson's hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are at that point in the show where we've run out of stuff to talk about. That's actually a lie, but we, we are, the clock says that we probably ought to be wrapping up. So we'll start our traditional final thoughts and wake up producer Chris over here. Hello. I've been, I've been listening. You've been over here playing video games. No, I've been watching this game and listening to the conversation. What's going on in the sports world. Uh, so currently 14 Miami zero Jags. Uh, luckily I did not play that. Wow. Fantasy. Luckily I did not play that fantasy, uh, lineup team today. Cause I probably would be shit out of luck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Jags are sucking because they wore teal on teal. And that is a crime against the world. They and those uniforms a, are ugly. You never go, te- you never go solid on solid. That's a bad choice. Well, There's do- a little tick mark for who has the ball in, next to the number. <laughs> and whenever the Dolphins had seven and they had the ball, I looked up there and I thought it said minus seven. Oh my God. And I was like, how do you get negative points? There's a funny thing coming up with the show notes today and Dakota like messed up the date on a football game and, and Jeremiah's giving a hard time. I was like, we're really going to put Dakota in charge of the sports part of anything. <laughs> Listen, you're just lucky I even put it on there. I was just being nice. I said, oh, I, I, listen, you sent me a signal when you sent over a PDF file and said, don't edit this. You just said, normally it's a, I get an invite to look at the Google yes. Drive document and I can make my yes. little, my little seal of approval on it. No, I got a PDF and he said, this is the way it's going to be. Every time that you edit the document, you don't do it in the format that <laughs> old marriage. Change, change it to random something. <laughs> he'll just put a, he'll just put a sentence without a bullet point next to it. You should find a way to save it into a word perfect file, a word perfect file and send it to him that way. He didn't even know what word perfect is. You're gonna send it back in Lotus. Before there was word. All right. So final thoughts as I've been listening, and uh I have to say, I think Trump should just go ahead and nominate. He's gonna get it get it approved. And I think Thanks for joining the conversation on that one. Hey, well, you know, you guys talk a lot and you guys talk very loudly. And then when I, when I try to intercede, you guys go, shut the fuck up, Guffy. I don't care what you say. It's <laughs> basically what it's like. You're here. never going to come work for Rob, even on Sundays. And this is exactly the Lord's Day. Especially you can't do not that. Sundays. Can you imagine handing a microphone over to that guy that goes from Ohio to Illinois? 
<laughs> and I'll, I'd be in there vouching for my employer. Oh, this guy's great. He's great. He did good work for Boss Hog. It's great. It's great. Guffy, Guffy's back at the Boss Hog, and he <laughs> Ross, lost Rob his job. By the way, I'm doing when, when we're talking about Boss Hog, they're talking about me in Dakota. We're not talking about that mayor in Indianapolis who's yeah. trying to steal our name. And the bad thing would be Guffy would be in charge of the dump button <laughs> as the producer. And so if he forgot to dump himself, I'd be done. Yeah, exactly. over. Uh, you know, sometimes, but it's all right. Uh, I, and there was a stat that I read. It's like 29 times um, there has been an, an appointment by a president in the election year. And of that 29 times, 17 times has been when the president and the Senate's the same and they always go through. And then the other 12 times it's been an opposite party. Never go through. You know what's a little reassuring, though, is a couple of his big losses in the Supreme Court. The majority decision was written by his appointees. Yeah. So he's not really good at picking people. Kavanaugh that, that, split from him a few times. Yeah, so they don't line already. in behind and him. And so is Gorsuch. Gorsuch has been the most liberty-minded guy out there. By the way, if you had Gardner Minshew over 17 yards rushing, you just won. Hey. Right? I, th- I truly believe that to be... A point to get to the position where you're considered to be appointed you've to the Supreme Court. Yeah. yeah, you have to at least have you've got more integrity than the people that we elect to send to the Senate. Well, well, it really is a view of government and the Constitution, right? It doesn't really come down to party. It comes down to your view of government and the Constitution. And liberal justices view the the uh, Constitution as a living, breathing thing that's open to interpretation of whatever moment we're in. And conservative justices, originalists, or whatever you want to call them, it's you, in stone, right? Yeah. That it is, it is what it is, and these people didn't make mistakes. And you know, I obviously come down on that side. And if you want to change the constitution, there's ways to do it and do it that way. But it really is. It's not a Democrat or Republican thing. It's they nominate people that view the the law and the rule of law and the interpretation of of the constitution in a in a certain fashion. Anything else, producer? Only other thing is, uh, I've got a couple houses I'm looking at. Hopefully, this weekend. <laughs> Are you having a meet and greet at these open houses? Are you inviting fans to come out and tour them with you? No, no. Is there? Can we do a boss hog poll between two houses and pick your house? All I can say is, there is a house I'm seeing uh, tomorrow, and I sent it. Is it to- serious? <laughs> I'm, You're seeing the house, like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go see her. You're gonna take it out to dinner. Yeah, yeah. Like we're going on a date. <laughs> but I sent it. I sent it to somebody on the screen right now, and next thing I know, here comes Facebook people. Oh look, this is the people. Look, I think they just moved. I don't know what happened. I was trying to help you understand context of the situation you might be getting into. So <laughs> your research. I already gave you a housewarming gift. <laughs> Actually, I gave you two of them. Actually, you didn't. I won that from the Dainty Daisy, who I, I think you should all go and purchase uh, cups. I've got some ideas in mind for my groomsmen. I've got that working out. I've got and some towels here. Spoiled a surprise, didn't you? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Guffy needs a reality show. I'm, I'm waiting on Guffy to like give me a rose so I can be a groomsman. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna give you a. What beer. Dakota did for his bachelor for his uh, for his wedding party is he kept rearranging us. He'd be like, "You're number two this week," and then you move move up and down in the rankings. And I wound up in last place at, at the end, but it was a fun a hierarchy. Ride. At yeah. some point, you guys need to do an episode of just how the whole Boss Hog of Liberty team came together. <laughs> Came to know each We've other. We've already done it. Look, I came you together by playing Pokemon Go in a park where I met <laughs> Jeremiah. <laughs> He's not lying. That's worst, all I got. Worst adventure of his life. Yeah, it was. All right, Rob M. Kendall. Red for Rob. Hashtag Red for Rob. How do we follow you? What do you at, what? at Rob M. Kendall on Twitter. It's an incredible follow. 
It's a great time. It's the best follow. It takes him about 32 minutes to send out a tweet, but when he does, it's the best. Oh, I'm old man tweeter, but you know, <laughs> once you, I get it out you have there. all the best tweets. I scorch everyone and everything. I have zero social media decorum. And that's why people are always like, you should run for office again. Oh, heck no. It's no fun. I love being able to say whatever I want and go to bed and realize it doesn't matter. This has been the greatest year of not running for office. Oh, it's just, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't even uh, imagine. It's, uh, yeah, so at Robin Kendall on Twitter, uh, Chicks on the Right, each weekday, uh, 9 to 11 on 93 WIBC. The Boss Hog of Liberty during the speed round tomorrow, which is 1030, will be getting a shout out for the uh, very fabulous invite uh, for allowing me to be here, as they always do. Incredible. And uh, look, just go to rainwaterforindiana.com. If you're hearing the voice, give the guy a look. Give him some consideration. Go to volunteer, put a sign out, put signs out, donate, whatever. You got a real chance, whether you're libertarian, pissed off Republican, pissed off Democrat, pissed off independent. The old parties are not fixing this problem. They created it. And this is a real chance for once to make a definitive difference. And your vote is not enough. You got to take people with you. Be, you know, to be responsible for 10 people that you can tell. So rainwater for Indiana.com. He was on, he was on this show and it was, it's go back, worth it to go back and listen to him. He debates Mr. Levine. That's right. You guys had the uh, had the very first debate, the official. It wasn't quite as animated as the one they had in uh, sixteen. <laughs> that was a, that was great. You guys were the epicenter of all that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a he's a great dude. He's an interesting candidate, and he's certainly worthy of consideration and and helping him get across the finish line. Very good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for asking me. It's amazing. Always, I'm always blown away that you travel out here. You're a, I lo- you're, you're a hero. I love this drive. Like it is once you get outside of Indianapolis, that stretch from once you get outside of the the 465 loop to uh, Newcastle, especially I, this time of year. You have to be sarcastic because 70 I'm right sorry now. Eric Holcomb has that road in such bad shape. For you uh, right well, now, the, the traffic sucked, but the <laughs> view is incredible. And I loved the fact that there is a ridiculously giant and ridiculously contented uh, Greg Pence billboard there on 72. <laughs> but the, the drive is beautiful. I love Newcastle, the Steve Alford Inn, the giant shoe at the Hall of Fame. All of all and, of the things. And I love being here. I We had a whole era of the Raintree Ho- Hotel being the Oyo, and now it's back to the Raintree, and it is... It, it's been, it's been the talk of the one little piece of the Oyo remains. <laughs> <laughs> Sign... The sign and is... And that is, they did not replace the O in Ohio. <laughs> oh, I hope it never changes. How much will you give me off if I keep the O up there? <laughs> We're out right. of white paint. Just work around it. All right, Zach. I don't know if you have anything planned or not, but I need you to tell the mid-Ohio story of how we met James Hinchcliffe. Okay. This so, is what I want you to tell. So we had golf carts. And uh, which is the only way to get around Mid Ohio with no shuttles because it's hilly and it's it takes long. Governor Dewine said uh, shuttles were not safe, so we would just often <laughs> just take golf cart rides. And we were going to give a tour uh, to some people, and we're coming down this hill, and all of a sudden Hinch pulls out, and it's hard to tell it's Hinch, but his James Hinchcliffe, NBC Sports, Indy Five Hundred, perfectly quaffed hair, yeah, um, a podcaster. And he's ahead of us. All of a sudden, they hear somebody yell, "They're like, that's Hinch, chase him." <laughs> So, <laughs> somebody in the golf cart behind him. So we're following him. He doesn't know we're following him and he's driving quite impressively considering he's on his phone the entire time. He's, he's thrashing through puddles. He's doing all kinds of stuff and we start to catch him, but he just dives into the TV complex there at the track and we're like, celebrities uh, just dash away here. here. <laughs> well, then he comes out like if you, well, we go to leave. We're like, ah, well, bummer. We'll go over here and check this other part of the track. And Jeremiah's golf cart has quit. 
It, we stopped. We stopped to talk stop, about how. Yeah. How, we we stopped chase. and realized that it was a lot like an Anchorman where they go that escalated quickly because we we almost caught him and we didn't know what we were going to do. Yeah, if we, we got we, to we, him. Yeah, we went we went like boss hog on him like he was the Deuce of Hazard because <laughs> it was like gravel and we're throwing these chasing, golf carts around chasing him <laughs> yeah. through the infield. It was the, this wasn't like course paved course. roads like IMS. This is like yeah, like going back roads, gravel hitting stuff and puddles. Yeah, we go to leave. And the golf cart won't go anywhere. It's like, oh. and we and nobody kept our cards to call the uh, rescue guys to come tow our golf cart. And uh, so <laughs> while we're sitting there, all of a sudden, here comes Hinch out to his rental car. We broke down right in front of his was rental. right there, right in front of his <laughs> rental car. So, I, and it has to look bizarre because there's like seven of us, eight of us, and we're all masked on golf carts because masks were a mandate over there. And we're like, hey, it's something. It wasn't me. I think it was my brother's girlfriend. I was like, hey, will you take a picture with our broken down golf cart? <laughs> so we took a selfie. You can't tell it's broken down. As a matter of fact, you can't even see the golf cart in the picture because there's eight or nine people in the picture. But we got a picture with Hinch, and everybody's masked up, and it was it was interesting. So I don't know if he remembers us, but the unfortunate thing that's is the only time that, you could see anybody because we weren't allowed anywhere else. Yeah, you couldn't. You had to find them out in the wild. The unfortunate thing was is that the girls had all been wearing their James Hinch clip, and I had to Genesis. And that was the one day we didn't do it. So he had this mask that was printed up that his sponsor was giving out. That was his face. The lower half of his face. I wore it to a city council meeting on Monday and got a lot of, <laughs> got a lot of laughs. And yeah, but nobody had them on that day because we'd all worn them the day before. And so that was a bit of a, we're like, we, we've been wearing your mask. And I think he think he's like, really? He was a little surprised. He was like, but. that's real weird. <laughs> oh, well, they look weird. The masks look weird because if, and you wouldn't remember this because you're too young, but if anybody ever played like, Nintendo 64, and if you played Goldeneye, it's like a 64-bit face. That's what the face looks like because <laughs> it doesn't move. It's just his beard and his mouth, and but yeah, it was it was entertaining. That was our only celebrity. That's what we should have done for our masks. Well, you have more time. The mask mandate has been extended, so you've got more time. <laughs> yeah, you've got about three and a half weeks or so. <laughs> it's never ending. This is perpetual. We're going to have mask sales forever, Dakota. All right. Was there anything else in your final thoughts? I don't want to cut you off. You've given uh, always L and K farms. Um, I think Cade's out harvesting now. Uh, and then, uh, also I should, I should have posted them a long time ago, but, um, and sometimes she's over there when they do their kind of Saturday farmers markets. My cousin's got a business, the beehive body company. She does the soaps and the scrubs and all that. She's stuff. got her weed bath bombs and her hand yeah. sanitizer. <laughs> yeah. All, all the good stuff you find from Middletown's finest. Speaking of L and K, I saw, uh, one of the original, I saw Kent today, who is Cade's father. Told me that their uh, soybeans are seventy six a bushel, which is freaking phenomenal. So I don't know seventy six seventy six bushels an acre. Crop report. Yes, is, is that <laughs> absolutely phenomenal? Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and soybeans are going up, and corn prices are raising. Know, what, are, what are what are pork bellies selling for? Just now, I don't know. I don't know what they're selling for. Uh, I believe soybeans are going at ten twenty five right I feel now. Like, I feel like a back of the Patreon group watching my brother and Dakota discuss electricity. <laughs> Dakota, what do you got? Except there's no one responded that. <laughs> because none of you understand. I, this I, is my livelihood. Oh, one thing I'm going to push, though, is the Patreon group. I went back. We went back and revisited. There's still a gem in the Patreon group as we we're watching the West Coast burn because of gender reveals. Dakota's gender reveal video in the Patreon group is worth it all by itself. We went back and watched it, I don't know, three or four times last weekend because I was like, oh, I haven't gone back and watched that yet. So join the Patreon just for that video. You have to scroll back a little bit to find it. it Dakota shoots himself. Yeah. It's, it's a sad, sad story. <laughs> Gotta turn the sound on. It's a boy. Out. <laughs> <laughs> the camera immediately shuts off. 
Dakota, what do you know? Uh, not much. Um, you need to go buy some tumblers for my wife, but it's also getting to the fall season, and she still does wreaths. We still have some leftover wreaths in my house that need to be bought up. So get those out of there. Her page is The Dainty Daisy. That's where you can find it, and uh, she's been doing good. She's been making some pretty sweet cups recently. There was a Friends Cup today that was very impressive. That I've was, been a, yeah, I've been a, a very, one. very tough customer, and I have not been <laughs> impressed by much of Audrey's offerings until today <laughs> and i said i said oh my god she does have talent this is amazing I mean, the jack skeleton one was awesome i'll admit i, yeah, looked, I looked at it and i was like oh that opens up like the window of what i thought was possible i'm like oh i, I could start like my brain could start working yeah now. now you can start to work out a custom design we you get a tattoo and that's for life and one of these cups might be for life i too. love that you looked at the guy who the show basically doesn't exist without <laughs> and you just said i'm not very impressed with what your wife's been offering <laughs> but thanks for being here did, did you not see the Jack Skellington one? I don't. The know. Nightmare Before Christmas. That oh, one's just great. that's just evil and satanic. Nobody wants that. Yeah, <laughs> that one. I think <laughs> that one was the most impressive to me. Yeah, I love that one. Oh, God. I should buy it. It's already been. It's bought. sold. One of a kind. Gone. It's like, new it's like the so. housing market. It goes too fast. <laughs> mm. I don't even know who you get your credit approved for. Credit approved for one of these people. People <laughs> Man, have messaged know. me and been like, "What? What can she put on a cup?" And I'm like. Literally, just say what you want. What do you want? Yeah, yeah. That's all there is. To maybe it. I need. Like, a, maybe we need some West Wing. Cups and first some, of all, why are you messaging me? This isn't my business. Or for some <laughs> some red for Rob cups. There, there's there's limitless opportunities. Maybe you want one with everybody's face on the mug. We discussed some boss. She also cups. made some custom towels over there that, and she did a drawing. She did like a. She did like a contest where if you sh- if you liked and shared the page, this then, is great. If you know how to read cursive, I couldn't. Let's I get basted. I can't read it. Oh, and of course, I like big bunts. <laughs> she's like, oh, she's like, you know, I can share the page and you can win t- two of the towels of your choice. She made like six of them. And of course, Chris, there's like 50 people. Big bunts, Guffy. Over that there. are in it. And, and Chris Guffy's the one that wins. Sounds it. like it was rigged to me. Look, I've been one of her most adamant, adamant customers. I've been, <laughs> I've been sharing everything. Uh, you bought a wreath last I bought, year. I bought a wreath. My future mother-in-law loves. I bought a cup for my fiance. She loves it. All the teachers at her school love it, and they're thinking about buying some. So all I know is I'm supporting Jackson now. What's the name again? I'm going to like it here in just a minute. On the Dainty Daisy. Daisy's, the Dainty Daisy. Daisy's if, if you're friends with Jeremiah, he shared it earlier. I did. I, I'm a, I'm very loyal. I'm Just everything I, she makes he, sucks, he, but he, I'm very I'm loyal. Critical. <laughs> I'm critical. I'm critical. I, I'm a I'm a very careful well, he didn't, selector. He but didn't it, the, share it until it was the one. It was that he one that I liked, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you can trust me because if it doesn't if it doesn't tweak me, it, Spangle will tell you I love hard Dakota, and you know that. When I like something, I'm in, and I was I'm in on the Friends Cup. What's weird to me is like I didn't even think the Friends Cup was the most impressive. one. It was well done. done. It was well She's done. Everybody has there. different interests. It, I know to me it opened up what I thought. What I I didn't know she could like put like graphic graphics like. That on there, I don't think I missed oh, the yeah. other one. I, I'm not like Guffy's probably in, so in the algorithm on Facebook <laughs> that he everyone probably, he probably gets she hasn't even she hasn't even hit the post yet and it's already shown up in his feed because sure has. Facebook's like this is this is the customer right here. <laughs> Look, it's just like with John Kendrick. I'm a top fan, guys. <laughs> Still haven't won, John. Still haven't won. My coworker did. Oh, Sarah, I didn't. Sarah's won like three times with his gift card giveaways. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, I, try, I was trying to win a, a round of Royal Highlands, which is fifty dollars a round. I mean, if you buy a house from the guy, I bet he can take you golfing. I hope. <laughs> All right. 
that's enough of that. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Rob, Rob was here next week because I'm vacationing again with, uh, with Zach over here, uh, where, where Mayor Hogshead allows us to go. Uh, we are going to be at the racetrack. So we're doing a Tuesday show next week. So mark your calendars. Uh, it's a short week. You got us in like five days. And also, we need like four different bets to hit, and it's not going well in this Jacksonville Jaguars game. So there went degenerates. There went four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians Network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.